My name is Kathy Connor, and you are listening to Kathy's Corner on WPKN 89.5 FM and streaming online at WPKN.org. We just had an introduction to the show with um, Across the Universe, which is a well-known song, with uh, covered by Rufus Wainwright, Moby, and Sean Lennon. So I thought that would be an interesting way to start the show. My shows are also podcasts. If you want to look them up, they can be found at SoundCloud, WPKN Community Radio, Kathy's Corner. And my show airs the fifth Wednesday of the month, so every few months or a few times a year now. That My next show will be Wednesday, June 29th. And if you tuned in the last show and or two, you'll, you'll know that I mentioned I'm going to do a little series um, on consciousness. My expertise is the field of consciousness and how the development of inner life supports success and happiness in outer life, day-to-day active life. The outer is a reflection of the inner, so taking care of this aspect of life is a necessity for best outcome, and yet it's not our first priority, unfortunately. We, we don't really know enough about consciousness. We, it's one of those words that gets thrown around, but what do we actually know about it? We didn't learn much about it in school, if anything, and even science does not or cannot explain it well enough, and there are various schools of thought on consciousness from the fields of philosophy and science. And over the past 150 years, modern scientists have attempted to understand the nature of existence, what holds it all together in an orderly and coherent manner, and what are those most fundamental laws of nature, they inquire. How can we use them for best life? I refer to the science of physics often in this show because it has grasped many of the principles of natural law in the exploration of understanding our existence. For example, physics explains that matter fields are based in energy fields. Matter is made up of atoms, which are made up of elementary particles that are excitations of underlying and progressively more unified and non-local energy fields. (laughs) These abstract fields of energy are theorized to emerge from one even subtler field that some scientists are beginning to understand is a field of pure intelligence or consciousness. And we live in an age of quantum science, so this understanding is not unusual to us. Understanding that the subtle underlies the gross on more observable levels, the subtle, not so observable. We take for granted those areas we don't see, but they all work for us, like radio frequencies. So you can tune into WPKN or use your cell phone to connect, but who can see the frequencies? Yet we're connected, so we can enjoy the music and information shared on this station or call our friends. From the concrete to the abstract and unseen, From the conscious mind to finer fields of the mind, we can arrive at that same conclusion that there is a unified field at the basis of everything, and that is pure consciousness. So in the last show, which actually played twice, so hopefully you heard it. If not, you can go to the podcast. I introduced you to Dr. Tony Nader. He's a respected expert in the field of modern science and the ancient knowledge of Vedic science. Dr. Nader is a medical doctor trained at Harvard University and Massachusetts Institute of Technology. 
where he has a Ph.D. in neuroscience. He's also a globally recognized Vedic scholar and head of the International Transcendental Meditation Organizations in over 100 countries. He has a book out, it came out last year, called One Unbounded Ocean of Consciousness, Simple Answers to the Big Questions in Life. And really, it's a must-read for sincere seekers. And sincere seekers tend to ask the big questions, and they also want the answers to those questions. Dr. Nader proposes questions not uncommon to the seeker who desires to understand and experience more. Dr. Nader proposes questions about, for example, the origin of consciousness and matter and how they are related, but that consciousness is not a product of matter, like a lot of scientists tend to think, but quite the other way around. Here's a quote from the book. Dr. Nader says, One thing is for sure, if we were not conscious beings, none of this would matter. Without consciousness, there's no questioning, no choice, no freedom, no responsibility. There would neither be dreams, feelings, hopes, desires, pain, nor joy. Consciousness is the indispensable screen that expresses, upholds, and even shapes all knowledge and experience. Dr. Nader refers to pure consciousness as the non-material and impersonal essence and fabric in which everything is. Okay, now this is a big concept here, but we're going to break it down little by little. He tends to detail, he, he tends to details in his book. So he goes into some history, some scientific history of understanding consciousness. He goes into the Vedic understanding of consciousness. He says things like awareness is actually an attribute of consciousness. Consciousness is much bigger this is a more personal form of one's own consciousness, which would be your awareness. But he also speaks of that ultimate basis or pure consciousness, which is the primordial unified field. And to know this level of life, one can experience it directly. It's something anybody can do because you have the right hardware and software for it. <laughs> you have a mind and you also have a body that can express it. It's been in a hidden form, so deep in the mind, that if we only develop the conscious mind or surface values, it remains unknown. It's a matter of diving in and being familiar with this basis of life so that our own personal life, our own awareness, our own consciousness is raised to a higher level. That is a real possibility and something that our history can verify. Many people have had these experiences Consciousness is many things and manifests in many ways, but it is the one profound source on which everything is expressed. Consciousness is hidden and consciousness is on display. It's everywhere and it's everything. Why? Because without being conscious, you could not experience it. You would not be here. So consciousness is the essence of life. And yet here we are. I'm sitting in this really beautiful new radio station at WPKN. They've offered me this opportunity to speak on this uh, aspect of life. And so I enjoy this opportunity to expose the listeners to the value of understanding and unfolding more of your own consciousness, to be more alert, more aware, which results in a kinder, gentler, more expanded individual, 
country and planet. We'll see how they're all connected too at some point. And surely this is something we need to discuss now more than ever. To understand consciousness more thoroughly, since that's the constant underlying theme of my show, (laughs) just as it is the constant underlying element of life, I plan to spend the next few shows providing more depth of understanding about this fundamental and important aspect of everyone's life. So, again, the last two shows, it was the same show, but it was the last show played twice, September, December, and it's the start of this endeavor. So, again, you can dive into it if you like, going to the podcast WPKN, SoundCloud, Kathy's Corner, if you want to enjoy part one. And I've mentioned many times on this show over the years that there is more to experience in terms of consciousness than just waking, dreaming, sleeping. You know, we wake up and we go about our day and then we sleep and have dreams and then it's on again and on again. And these are states of consciousness, but they can be improved upon. So innately, we are aware and conscious that there is more to life than what we know now. And often, especially that seeker, wants it and wants it now. (laughs) Throughout time, many people have experienced an enhanced level of clarity or alertness. You can call that a state of enlightenment. It's not a particularly unusual experience, but it's not also very common. But we certainly have heard about it. We know, maybe, people who've had these clear, elevated experiences of awareness, and maybe we have had them ourselves. This is called a fourth state of consciousness that can be experienced and with familiarity become a stable part of one's life. It's available and it's locatable deep within the mind. The fourth state, like the other three, is a defined state of consciousness that's experienced and has a corresponding physiology. That's how a state of consciousness is identified. The fourth state is defined by the mind being alert and awake and the body deeply rested at the same time. Even the brain shows signs of being rested and alert at the same time. And it's been documented to be experienced during the TM practice particularly, but this state can happen anytime. An aha moment, a runner's high, or a zone that you can experience on your Peloton bike, (laughs) an exalted experience on the beach witnessing a brilliant sunset. When the mind is alert and clear, the subjective experience can be very sublime, peaceful even, deep peaceful. There's ample science to support the physiology of the fourth state of consciousness and ample examples of people over time who've, had, who've expressed this experience in their art or their own words. So physiologically, for example, the brain shows an increase in order and coherence with alpha-1 brain waves which is a very orderly state of the brain, strengthening of the neural connections and increase in coherence across the brain. The body also shows signs of a deeper and a different rest. It's not sitting eyes closed rest. That's a very different physiology. There's a significant drop in cortisol levels. That's the stress hormone, by the way. And this, all this can improve things like stress-related illnesses, cardiovascular disease and other abnormalities that are exacerbated or caused directly by stress that can change when these deeper stresses can be dissolved naturally. Exposure to this fourth state of consciousness, which we call transcendental consciousness, allows for integration of its qualities of restful alertness to be integrated into our day. Those are the three states we know well. 
for best waking, stress-free dreams, deep enriching sleep. So the point here, as usual, is there is more to unfold, uncover, and integrate into our lives. In the last show, at the end of this talk, Dr. Nader spoke about happiness, that happiness is wholeness, that our quest in life is to have that. The purpose of life is the expansion of happiness. We are evolving beings, growing and achieving knowledge and experience of the self. That's our nature. It's actually also our birthright. We have the ability for it. And I also know, I am very aware that as I speak about this and introduce you to a deeper understanding of what supports life, that there's a horrible war going on in Ukraine. It's vital that we begin to recognize that for change to happen in the direction of evolution, it takes us, people, individuals, putting their attention and actions on unfolding evolutionary qualities. In my next show, so stay tuned for June, (laughs) as I have done before, but I'm going to go a little deeper from a different angle and explain how the expansion and enlivenment of consciousness and its coherent orderly qualities directly influences the collective field so that we have a more coherent, orderly, and peaceful condition on our planet. I know if that sounds unusual. It's not unusual. It can be clearly explained. So with an open mind and the ability to comprehend that a new understanding is needed, I hope we can employ these technologies for the good of all mankind as soon as possible. And in the meantime, by the way, there are people who know these technologies and are already employing them and not waiting for the mechanics to be understood, especially by governments that are stagnated in old paradigms. So I hope you'll be inspired as I continue the series on the importance and definition of consciousness. And like the last show, I will play a talk by Dr. Nader today. The music on WPKN is particularly enjoyable to its listeners because it's unique in many ways. It's not heard on a commercial station. And like that, my discussion with you today is also not typical. But what we're listening to is inspiring. It's about our essence and how to take care of it, expand it for best life and not just for our own life. We all live here, (laughs) the life of the planet. And it's time to understand the implications that the use of coherence generated with greater collective consciousness, is essential for world peace. War begins in the minds of men. We've heard that expression. Well, guess what? So does peace. (laughs) Depends on the how clear is that mind, how much of our depth is exposed, how much coherence, not tunnel vision, rigid, ego-based, self-serving mind, enough of that, change the collective consciousness, and our leaders will reflect that higher value More on this in June, (laughs) so stay tuned. But first things first, what is consciousness? Dr. Nader gives many talks on consciousness with the aim to enlighten the listener that there is a field of all possibilities and that life can be lived on a higher level of consciousness. He does quite a few podcasts and has a YouTube channel and other things. I'm sure you can find him on the internet. (laughs) But in his book and his podcast, he emphasizes that the unfolding, or really the unhiding, because it's already there, of our full potential is our birthright and is not exclusive to one sort of lifestyle or person. And because it's not easy to catch up with them for an interview, (laughs) 
he's okay that I use one of his talks. So we're going to play something that's um, on one of his channels for the next 25 minutes or so, as I did for the last show. And in this talk, we'll hear a profound description of the mechanics of consciousness. So please enjoy. So there is a field, and that field is a field of pure being, pure consciousness. And it is that field which appears as many. It appears as many. How does it do that? This is some of the Vedic science that Marshi teaches. So the reality we are going to say is consciousness. Why? First, because all this bragging about physical reality and all the physicists spending trillions and trillions of dollars looking into matter and what is matter made of and how it is made of and how it works led us to Planck telling us there is no matter. There is nothing physical. It's something beyond. All this quantum mechanical and quantum field research tell us you need an observer or you need an interaction so that the objects appear as they appear and collapse as they collapse. Okay, so matter doesn't really kind of is as we thought it is. It depends on an interaction, on an observer. But we all agree, you know, that there is flowers on this table. But it's because we have similar apparatus, we have similar consciousness, we are together, and that is the reality of our observation. But the essence of this material depends on us observing it to actually collapse into what it is. I am a little bit expanding the idea. It's much more complex than this, but we have to illustrate it this way. The bottom line is truly that everything is an ultimate field and that what we call matter depends on the interaction between us and the other aspects of that field, which collapses into what we call reality. So from the perspective of physics and physical reality, this is what we find. From the perspective of consciousness, what we find is this is the one thing we can be sure about. This is the only one thing we can be sure about, is that we are conscious. That thing which is so amazing and so complicated to analyze physically and scientifically is the only thing that we as humans can be sure about. We are sure that we are conscious. When we are not conscious, nothing exists. We are not observing anything, you know? Who tells you that when you fall asleep, the whole universe doesn't go into, <laughs> into non-committed, existential, pure being? The moon vanishes, the earth, the universe goes away, all your friends, relatives, the tables, the house is gone. Who tells you? You tell yourself when you wake up in the morning, if somebody wakes you up, you look at it and you see it, it's there. But who tells you that you have not just created it and recreated it and you recreate it all the time? I'm saying this as a bit of an exaggeration. But just to illustrate the point and to open and broaden our awareness about reality and non-reality so we are not caught into a, between quotation mark, hard and fast reality and that we know we can do anything, change anything, transform anything from the level of consciousness. So what is consciousness? If we want to go back and answer the question, what is consciousness? And I have written an article in a mathematics journal, and the title of the article was 
Consciousness is all there is. Consciousness is all there is. There is nothing else. Consciousness is all that there is. Now, does it mean the table doesn't exist? Does it mean the moon does not exist? Does it mean that I as an individual entity, personal qualities and personal abilities does not exist? No, it doesn't mean at all that we don't exist. We exist. But what we are made of is consciousness. The stuff of reality is consciousness. This is a proposal. Now, it is complicated to try to say how then this consciousness creates this or makes this appearance as matter. See, we have turned the problem around. The problem was, how does matter create consciousness? You start with some elementary particles, they come together, they create you know, atoms, molecules, then the molecules come together, they create cells, the cells come together, they create tissues, the tissues create organs, then organ systems, we have a brain, very complex and electrical activity in it, and this brain creates consciousness. How can it create consciousness? This is the question which eludes every scientist and every philosopher. And then the philosophers were saying, okay, let's solve the problem by saying there are two things. There is the spiritual reality, the consciousness side, and there is the material reality, two different things. This is Descartes, huh? Descartes dualism. There are two things and we solve the problem. But the question is how these two things talk to each other? You know, how do they happen to be able to, to communicate? One is non-material, one is material. How does the material talk to the non-material? And how the non-material, spiritual or consciousness side, can talk to the material? That's the crux of the problem. So the scientist said, well, let's eliminate then consciousness. Because material then creates consciousness. Somehow one day we will find out. Or consciousness is just simply an illusion. That's one problem, one way to solve the problem. But we're not happy with this because we just said the only thing we're sure of is consciousness and the physicists are telling us matter doesn't exist. So what are you talking about? You know? How can that which does not exist, matter, create that which either exists or doesn't exist or there is nothing that exists? You know? That is where the illusion and all these things comes. Maya, they call it. That is one way to look at the problem. But if you look at the problem the other way around, you say consciousness creates matter, then you also have a problem. How can consciousness create matter? How is it possible for consciousness to create matter? If matter cannot create consciousness, we have a simple solution. We say consciousness creates matter. But then we have a new problem. How does consciousness create matter? Because matter, we see it. It's there. It's real. Okay, we touch it. Our consciousness is touching, is feeling. So we can't say we're living in a 3D holographic universe. We could, but you know, it's, it's really, really there. We feel the pain, we feel the joys, we feel everything. And there is a mechanism by which consciousness creates what looks like matter. The mechanism is based on the nature of consciousness. 
What is the nature of consciousness? What is its essential nature? To expand? Um, well, you could say, but when you say consciousness, why should you say to expand? You know, why should it expand? Expansion is a phenomenon, and it's not obvious that this phenomenon is part of being conscious. What's the nature of consciousness? To be aware of it. Yeah. It's called consciousness, you know, for some reason. We could have called it uh, love, or we could have called it uh, passion, or, and this, the essence of life is bliss, or whatever. Which is fine, and we'll find that these are real, and they exist <laughs> in consciousness. But when you say consciousness, we are saying it's something that is conscious, to be conscious. So the nature of consciousness automatically means it is to be conscious. Okay? What is it conscious of? Of itself. Because there is nothing but consciousness. It is only capable or able to be conscious of itself because there is nothing else to be conscious of. But here comes a phenomenon where consciousness now is seeing itself as an observer and an observed. Without an observer and an observed, you are not conscious of anything. You don't know anything. To know something, there must be a knower and a known. Here are the flowers. Here are myself, is myself. <laughs> and I am looking at the flowers. Then I know the flowers. I see the flowers. The flowers are there. If I have no connection with the flowers whatsoever, like through my eyes, because it's very dark. I cannot tell the flowers that, that the flowers exist. So to have an experience, you need an experiencer and an experienced, an object of experience. Because without an object of experience, there is no experience. There is nothing to experience. Without a subject who is experiencing, there is no experience also. And without a process that links the observer to the observed, there is no experience either. So what do you need in order for any experience to happen? You need a subject, an object, and a process that links the subject to the object. Between quotation marks, this is why our phrases are made out of subject, verb, and object because the universe is built like that. But this we can come back to later. Okay, this is our logic, this is how we think, this is how the reality is. So, when there is nothing but the pure being, this pure unbounded consciousness, but its nature is to be conscious, what does it do? It reflects on itself, because there is nothing else. But by the process of reflecting on itself, it creates a break of symmetry in the sense that it now can see itself as an observer, or can see itself as an observed, or can see itself as a process that connects the observer to the observed. So from unity, you have trinity. You have three values. Observer, observed, and process of observation. So there is one reality that sees itself as three values. So the three are, are they different from the one? No. 
There is nothing else. There is absolutely nothing else. But there is a perception, a point of view, that makes this one value. See, I can be an object, I can be a subject, and I can be the process connecting the subject to the object, the link between the two. Okay, now the question comes, if I put my shoes in the subject's if I put my feet in the subject's shoes, how is the subject seeing things? Because now we have a colored perception. It's a colored perception. There is a perception of the one infinite, unbounded, pure existence, pure consciousness, which sees things from its own self, as sees itself as observer, observed, and process of observation. Knower, knowing, and known subject, object, and process. It sees these three values. And it also sees the difference between them. Because they are there, it sees the difference. It's nature of consciousness to be conscious. If it's conscious of itself, it's also conscious that there are three values. So what we're adding here is a discriminative quality. What is discrimination? The ability to discriminate is what we call usually intellect. We are also adding a quality of identity because the object is different from the subject, is different from the process. Therefore, the object has an identity, the process has an identity, and the object has an identity. So there are three egos, if you like, that have emerged from the one absolute reality. But it's all on the level of perception. It's all on the level of experience, on the level of the nature of consciousness knowing itself. Yet we have created an ego, and we have created the principle of intellect, which is discrimination. What is the intellect? The intellect is the power to discriminate, the power to see that this is red, this is blue, this is a flower, this is a table. The ability to discriminate or dissociate or identify is the intellect. So now the intellect sees three values. Intellect means the same consciousness. It sees three values and we can say it asks itself, if I go and put my feet in the shoes, this is a correct expression, of the subject, how is the subject seeing things? Huh. It's like, oh, I could see things from different perspectives. I could see things from the perspective of the subject, or an object, or a process. But the perspective of the subject is different from the perspective of the object. So what is the perspective of the subject on the process, on the object, and on myself? So this creates new shade of perspectives. And like this, one shade to shade, you get into a cascade of shades of perception. You take red, blue, and green, and you mix red with blue, you get purple, purple, or violet, depending how much. <laughs> if you put uh, red and green, you get yellow, correct? <laughs> so, it's good you're awake. <laughs> so, now you take the yellow and put it with this one and put this one with this one and you generate infinite number of shades and hues of colors, correct? That's all there is. That's the whole story. 
<laughs> the difference is the difference is that if each color or each new perspective forgets that it is part of the whole, then you get separate identities. Separate identities mean individual realities. And so all that we all are is just different perspective of infinity on itself. Some are very narrow perspective, some are very broad perspective, and when we transcend, we see the full perspective of the original, infinite, unbounded, pure consciousness. But it's all a question of perspective. It's all a question of subjects looking at objects and the process in between them. And that's what creates a reality. So what is reality? Reality is a subject object and process coming together, either on the big primordial level as we have seen, or on any level of these other perspectives. Okay, when we say John sees Jane, John is the subject, sees is the process, Jane is the object. When we say Jane sees John, Jane is the subject, John is the object, sees is the process. When they come together, they create a moment of experience which we can call a bit of consciousness, B-I-T, a small bit of consciousness. That bit of consciousness is reality. If they are not coming together or nothing comes together, there is no physical reality. This fits very well with quantum mechanics and fits very well with physics and fits very well with understanding in modern terms and modern times of the interaction between the observer and the process of observation and the observed. So how come we feel like we are individual, we are different, we are completely independent and all of that? It's because the perspectives have to be true perspectives and so in order to have a true perspective, the individual perceiver, the subject of expression or experience, assumes an independence from other subjects who are also experiencing. And therefore feels individually separate and different. Whereas we are all one thing, pure, absolute, being, pure consciousness. But we happen to be caught in one kind of perspective of consciousness on itself. Some are limited perspectives, some are wider perspectives. When we transcend and expand our awareness and reach higher states of consciousness, we reach the true perspective we find, ultimately, that's what we call the highest states of consciousness, unity consciousness. What is unity consciousness? Is you find that you are everything. So we are all a perspective of consciousness on itself from different, different angles, different, different points of view. So what is the table then? What is the table made of? It's made out of consciousness. 
and it has its own perspective on everything. Now, the table is not like us. It doesn't maybe feel, I shouldn't be sitting here, what's the going on, you know? <laughs> this guy's, you know, putting his hand on me. <laughs> it doesn't have that level of consciousness. Because we have a gradation between infinite consciousness, unbounded consciousness, which is the pure being consciousness, and we have almost zero consciousness when it comes maybe to a little atom or to a little molecule or something. So when we say things are made of consciousness, it doesn't mean if you throw a stone, it's going to be kind of crying and scared that what's going to happen to me, I'm going to fall on the ground. <laughs> its consciousness is so limited that it is just conscious of what? Of gravity. It's conscious of the feel of gravity, between quotation marks, but does not analyze gravity like we do, does not think like we do, does not feel like we do, you know? It's a gradation. If you take a plant, it is more conscious of more things than the stone. Its consciousness maybe takes in the, red, the light, it's conscious of the light, it's conscious of the humidity, it's conscious of the nourishment that comes from the roots, it's conscious of the wind, because it moves with the wind, it responds to the wind. So that consciousness is very, very limited, but a little more than the stone. You take your cat or your dog, they're conscious beings. They're much, much more conscious than a flower or a tree. Maybe they're not as conscious as you, but they might have feelings, they might have a kind of identity. Not all the animals have sense of identity. Research has shown that some animals, you know, when they see themselves in the mirror, they think it's some other animal, you know, they start playing with it or fighting with it. But there are animals like the dolphins, they immediately realize that it's themselves. So they have a little higher level of consciousness. So all of these are gradations of gradations and gradations of consciousness. I gave this talk at uh, Stanford University. They invited us for uh, consciousness. It was called Hacking Consciousness. We was selected as the best iTunes whatever something. <laughs> <laughs> and um, after explaining all this and going into some mathematics, I asked questions to the student because they were taking it for credit. It was a credit course. And the question was, who has consciousness among these things that I'm listing on the screen? And I listed, you know, anything from a human being to an animal, animals to different animals to different things, the stone, this and that. And, um, you know, some who have been listening to the lecture, they said, all of them have consciousness. And I said, no. Actually, no one has consciousness. Everyone is consciousness. It's something that you don't just possess. It's something that you are. This is what we are made of. It's like taking a bracelet and saying this bracelet is made out of gold. 
So the material is gold and the bracelet is made out of gold. So the gold can make a bracelet, can make earrings, can make a pendant, can make a key, can make a statue. And all of these are made after the same material. When we look at it, we say it's a little statue or it's a necklace or it's a ring. And it's all gold. It's all gold, but it shapes itself, it modifies itself, it adjusts itself to look like an object which has its own identity, which is different from the basic material as if that it is made of. But consciousness is who we are, is what we are, is all there is, one unbounded ocean of consciousness in motion. And so all of these shades of consciousness we are caught by them in these different perspectives. The perspective of Mary, the perspective of Elizabeth, the perspective of John, the perspective of David. These are different perspectives, different perspectives of consciousness on itself. And if we think that they are independent of the reality of the unbounded consciousness, then we fall into the illusion, the maya. This is the term, if you hear maya, the term maya in Sanskrit means illusion. And people talk about maya as if the world does not exist. It's all a maya, it's all an illusion. That's not what it really means. The world actually exists. It is there. But the maya is that the table, the flower, and myself from the material that we are made of are different. Actually, we are all one unbounded consciousness with its different perspectives. So we are different, of course, but we are not different in essence. We can say the ring, the necklace, the statues are gold. They are gold, but they have a structure which differentiates them into a specific object. And you have been listening to Kathy's Corner on WPKN 89.5 FM. And for the last 26 minutes or so, we've been enjoying a discussion by Dr. Tony Nader. And he has been explaining to us what is consciousness. And we, we took a deep dive into the mechanics of consciousness and how it generates matter. He makes the point that the nature of consciousness is to be conscious and what is and what it is conscious of is itself. And he takes us along the understanding that this is the basis for the understanding of, of how consciousness becomes matter. It's a very profound understanding. And typically, science has been telling us that consciousness is a product of matter, which particularly the brain. But Dr. Nader is saying, actually, no, that matter fields are expressions of consciousness. He explains that when you're conscious, you need an observer, and that's necessary, something to observe, an object of observation in order to have an experience. And there's a process that links the two. So he, he went into some detail about that. And he also said something quite interesting about gradations and perspectives. So not even though everything is consciousness, as he's explaining to us, um, there are gradations of it. It's not all the, all the same. So he gave us a deep understanding of the vast range of consciousness, that everything is consciousness. He says, reality is a collection of bits 
of consciousness. And in this case, bits is, he's using it as a, a term that's used in the computer world, not as like a small piece, but a bit of consciousness. And that there are gradations of consciousness. He gave the example of a rock. I've heard him talk about plants, animals, humans. There's some awareness there of the animals when they they are in fear or they're hungry. Plants react to light. So there's there's something. It, it may be something we haven't thought about before, but we're starting to go into deeper values here. And I trust with Dr. Nader's talk today that you're understanding that there is more to comprehend about this topic. It isn't just the word that we want to throw around. <laughs> I've been talking about this topic, consciousness, for the last 11 years on the show, but mostly I talk about it in terms of how unfolding more of your own potential from within your own self can lead to a more productive and happier and more efficient life. Now we're taking a deeper dive, as I mentioned, and Dr. Nader is giving us a whole story, as he likes to say, and understanding consciousness and its profound value in order to be successful for both inner and outer life is, is the missing link. It's a vital aspect that we haven't been putting our attention on. It's also an aspect that not only can encourage our own development, but the development of our society. So that's what I promised would be our topic for the next show. So I'm always looking forward to discussing more with you. Uh, I find that the audience, the listeners of WPKN, are are clear enough to comprehend this topic, and WPKN has been kind enough to offer me this platform of expression, so I deeply appreciate that. And I look forward to con- to continuing our discussion. As I mentioned in June, we are going to talk more about how this um, amazing topic <laughs> A simple yet profound topic can affect our environment and create a more coherent and peaceful environment for ourselves. So I hope you've enjoyed the discussion today and just take it in as much as you do. And and when I will speak with you again in June, we will explore how, even with eyes closed, we can bring peace to the planet and especially peace to ourselves. So until then, be well, and I wish you deep peace and happiness.